0: Hello there, Lanky Guys listeners. The following podcast was recorded live in Drogo's Coffee Bar in the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center on November 28th, which was Giving Tuesday. And Father Peter and I gave a live broadcast to raise money for the Catholic Center here and the ministry that's done at the University of Colorado. What you're about to listen to is the audio of that. If you want to watch the full video, go to Facebook and find the page Lanky Guys, and you'll find the video right there. But for now, enjoy this week's podcast.
1: Your are by my
0: well, welcome everybody to the Word in the Hill with the Lanky Guys. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Doctor Scott Powell. I'm Father Peter Musset and we are
1: in Grogo's Cafe, which is uh, the center of our ministry next to the church here in on the Hill in you know? beautiful Boulder, Colorado.
0: Beautiful chilly Boulder, Colorado.
1: Hey, my mom just texted me. Looking good. It went right <laughs> over the thing. That's awesome. Thanks, mom. Oh, you too, <laughs> Scott. Thanks, Cori. Ray. He's <laughs> the best. Oh yeah, this is this is weird. Like to actually invite interaction is kind of freaking me out. It's I don't freaking even know me out a lot. I love it. It's really beautiful, but woo um, just to get started, though, this is Giving Tuesday, and one of the things that we're doing is uh, we're uh, doing a campaign, this part of our campaign, uh, $24,000 in 24 hours, and we've oh started with, um, how much have we started with? What is, what's our
0: number so far? We have our producer over there in the corner yep. uh, writing uh, thumbs on giant sheets.
1: 3645 $3,645 that we have already raised for the ministry here at St. Thomas Aquinas. And we would just encourage you, uh, for all those people who are listening all over the world, all 35 of you, um, we just look forward... Well, this is just live. Of course, there's going to be tons more people that are beginning to be, be able to be engaged. Maybe. May- unless, well, me.
0: unless we blow it and everybody tells their friends, whatever you do, don't watch the days <laughs> today. You know, we, uh, that'd be awkward, so... Um, yeah. Well, and and we talk about this a lot on the show, but for those of you who don't know, this podcast is a part of the broader ministry here at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center, which serves the University of Colorado in Boulder, like you said, and it's our mission to go out on campus and serve the over 30,000 college students and faculty and staff here in Boulder and the entire community uh, so that all of Boulder, Colorado and all of the University of Colorado knows Jesus Christ and understands the Catholic Church and um, the church that he gave us. So that's our ministry. So we have fun. We do this podcast. There's a lot of you out there to get to listen, but you are tapped into a broader ministry here. And again, like like you said, this the fuel for our ministry is the Drogo's coffee shop. Coffee oh, bar, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It, well, this is this is cool. Coffee cause, house. because really, House. German. Haus, H-A, a- Umlaut, S. <laughs> well, you Umlaut. I don't even know what it is. But Not uh, you guys, we're used to editing the podcast and having nobody listen to us.
0: I might uh, still like, edit it but, it, but I can't edit a video. Oh, yeah, but I can edit the actual podcast. Um, if you choose to donate to and we hope you do, because we do, uh, we do want to reach this goal, and I think it's a reachable goal, um, your donation is going to support a huge number of the, the activities and the faith formation, the Aquinas Institute lectures we do, uh, Buffalo Awakening retreats, Bible studies, small groups, um, student leadership things, social events, holiday parties, the coffee bar here, RCIA, the tons of people that want to join the Catholic church and do it every year through here. The music ministry, things like podcasts,
1: um, and all the
0: ministries going on. I, I, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I do think we have one of the most exciting ministries, um, going on in the world right now. And I love wherever I go. And whenever I travel someplace, I love to tell people where I'm from and what we do here because, I think what we're doing here is everything. By the grace of God, He's blessed what we're doing. So, please help us out in this ministry. Help us reach this community and this city and this campus, uh, and help us meet our goal of twenty-four thousand dollars in twenty-four hours. Yeah, thank you so much. I was thinking I was having a conversation with somebody the other day
1: about how um, how kind of uh, I was talking to a Protestant actually, and they were saying, "Oh, it doesn't in the Catholic Church. Don't the priests just do everything?" And I was, you like, do a lot. I do a lot in your, in your defense. But this is the thing. is I, I was like, I was like, ah, oh, St. Thomas Aquinas is a perfect example of an empowered laity, an empowered group of people. We have hundreds of people in Bible studies. Yeah. We've got lecture series. We've got just a phenomenal model for how actually a contemporary parish can work in the modern age. I don't think that just what we do is just, um, is just a model for campus ministry. I think it could actually be a model for uh, all of... All parishes, I think, because because we're so evangelical. Every year we have to go out and find our whole congregation and find and 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 really seek and save and bind up those who are wounded and to draw those who are most in need of Jesus Christ into His most sacred heart. And so this is a part of how we do that. And uh, and and I think that every parish should be outward looking to not just say, oh, how are we as we ourselves, but how do we look out and build up the wider church and um, and. Uh, the, this is how we do the, the wider part is we build up the wider church as well as seek and save lost and I mean,
0: that's like saving souls I that's just how realized we, that, how we wrote I just realized that as you're talking everyone can see me shooting and reading the psalm <laughs> as you're saying stuff so I'm gonna stop Dude, it's, it's a lot of pressure to be on camera it, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> good. it's good in this podcast it totally is I'm like I, normally you guys
1: I'm like kicked back and like my hair is down and now we're the real it, deal here, this is, I'm gonna give them a preview just, mm. for, just for a second just you guys are gonna get this. All of this isn't gonna be on the podcast, but this is, this is normally, you know, like I, I have to get in the, the feeling to like what is it like to be like Jesus, and so like I put my hair down, <laughs> get into the word, and just like you know let it be that way. Either that or you know a, a metal kid from the '80s.
0: Well, on that happy note, speaking of Saskatoon, okay, metal kids from the '80s, right? Yeah, wasn't that your trivia question earlier? No, it was not metal. It was 90s. Hair band? Nope. I was over there. Yeah, dude. What Uh, kind of a band? Just a 90s band? A grunge band? A 90s alternative kind of poetry. It was not grunge. Seriously, walking across campus the other day, I saw a kid who was straight out of 1993. Oh like yeah, the baggy pants, the tie dye shirt, the big, big, big flannel head with like the ponytail on the top. <laughs> no, but close. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, he was close. Anyway, it right. is the first Sunday of Advent. Happy New Year, Father Peter. Happy and New Year. You. It is the liturgical New Year. We're actually recording we're this. turkey time. <laughs> turkey time. And we're recording all this. I always consider this week sort of liturgical limbo, because right on last Sunday didn't ordinary time technically kind of end on the Feast of Christ, the King of the Universe? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And it doesn't really start Advent until Sunday, so we're kind of stuck in the weird middle <laughs> So I don't know if I can put my Christmas lights up yet. Dude, at least I, until next. Well, according my to my advent lights, I'm I, was sorry.
1: Ta- I was talking to this guy and he was he was like, you know what? Right before Thanksgiving, I put up my Christmas lights because my neighbor was not going to get a jump on me, and then I'm going to turn them on as soon as we're done with Thanksgiving dinner. Think, <laughs> think, and I was like, wow. I was like, I wish I had. The ability to
0: worry about that. <laughs> well, because we don't, we're going to jump in. First Sunday of Advent. Our first reading this week is coming from Isaiah chapter 63, verse 16. This is a piecemeal reading. Let me just say that. Isaiah sixty-three, sixteen b through 17, and then 19b, and then 64 verses 2 through seven. Just to splice them all together. Yeah, dude. That's it. I, I just Did you to, read them together? I did read them together. They need to be read together. I did. I don't totally get it.
1: So then our psalm is Psalm 80, mm-hmm. uh, verses 2 to 3, 15 to 16, and 18 to 19. That's a big jump. Yeah, no. That's how we roll in the that's liturgical new year. how the bishops roll.
0: I don't know if the bishops put this together. That's how the committee of the church rolls. <laughs> See, this is why we edit. That would have been edited out. All right, our second reading is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through
1: 9. All right, and then our gospel is Mark Mark thirteen thirty-three to 37. The end of what's called the eschatological discourse. Yes, that's that's good stuff. Um, thank you for joining us for the podcast today. We wish you a very, very blessed new year, Advent. And we'll see you next time. And we'll see you next Goodbye, time. Everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.
0: Just, he's just
1: kidding. See, we it did that, sound it,
0: like you were closing, though. It, yeah, that was what I was trying to Oh, do. that was the joke. Yeah,
1: because we do this, and then we edit it out, because you guys are getting an unedited version of what actually
0: happened. Oh, I'm now like I'm getting asked. really stressed. You should be. Okay. okay. I can see Megan getting stressed over there, too. We're stressed together. Okay, Isaiah. Oh, you yeah. just pulled a coffee out of somewhere.
1: Yeah, dude. Somebody texted me and said, Father, your coffee's behind you.
0: Did they really? Yeah, huh. That's... <laughs> <laughs> This is a public service yeah. they're doing for us. Okay, so Isaiah. when it comes to Isaiah, we're in chapter 63. Which so is the end. Is the very end? It's close to the end. We're, we're wrapping it up. It's got 66 chapters. So it's a beast of a book. So we're definitely at the tail end of it. Okay. And we, I, I feel like through the course of the podcast, we talked a lot about Isaiah. Um, again, nutshell of Isaiah, there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is Israel has really messed up, committed profound sin. There's going to be punishment. They're going to be hauled up in exile. But after that, the book looks forward to the ways in which God is going to restore them and redeem them and basically recreate them in a way that they never dreamed possible. And so the section that we're getting this week is this kind of weird mix of, look it's a weird mix of Israel questioning, okay, what has happened? What do we do now that all this punishment has taken place? What's it going to look like in the future? And sort of some veiled prophecies of how God's going to fulfill this stuff. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But I I read a little bit um, more into the context. I read the whole chapter. Um, did you read any of the rest of the sixty-three? I did. I read all, all of sixty-three. And, it's and an interesting chapter, well, right? There's a lot about vindication,
1: and uh, well, sixty-two. I, so yeah, sorry, sixty-three. I, yeah. I read sixty-three, and it's just like really. There's a lot of classic lines from Isaiah in the midst of it. it but there it's, is, but it's it's really all about vindication in the first part of sixty-three.
0: Yeah. So here, here's where you need a little bit of a lens to, to I think see this properly. There, there's there's a couple things going on. So the first part of sixty-three.
1: Was I would put on the lens.
0: The Oh, mm. I thought you were just awkwardly rubbing your face. No, I was
1: trying to do that, yeah, for the people out there.
0: The people. Um, that's my chair thought. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of na- It talks about a lot of the foreign nations and names, some of them that are going to be punished because they've done evil things, they don't know God, they fall from him. But, but the, the image that I found most striking, I don't know how you saw this, but there's this image of the Messiah, of, of God himself. I forget if it was clear if it was God But Yeah, it talks about it's God basically showing up fresh from the battle with his garments covered in blood. Did you catch that? Like, he's like, I'm done. I won the battle. He's bloodied. And he's got these garments that are stained crimson. And he's like, I took care of business. And it goes on to kind of say, I had to do it alone because no one would fight with me. You guys abandoned. I mean, speaking to Israel, which should really be a shot in the heart. You guys weren't there, so I did it myself. And it's talking about all these different peoples and, you know, the nations and the people who've come up against them that they've been vindicated from. But if we have the eyes of the New Testament and the eyes of Christianity to look back and be like, well, wait a second. When does that actually happen? When does God stand victorious having been bloodied in battle? Oh, it's when he defeats death. But, I mean, it changes the light of what it's saying. I'm going to defeat all your enemies. Oh, like Edom and the Egyptians and the Babylonians. No, I'm gonna defeat your enemies, which is death itself, by taking on death, and I'm gonna be bloodied in my garment and crimson, and I'm gonna rise victorious. And I will do it alone. Yeah. That was striking too. You guys well, abandoned me. Well, I
1: mean, it, and it takes it from that moment of guilt when you like didn't do your chores and then your parents like did it for you, and they're like, Ooh. Oh, you didn't do the chores, I'm gonna do the chores, and you're like, and then you're just heart is crushed and you're like Oh no, Ideally, this is not yeah. good. And then all of a sudden you realize that it was not even you weren't even able to fight that battle. Right. And and that's actually right. where it transforms from like, oh, to oh well that's oh, the paradox of this, isn't yeah. it?
0: Because you're like, yeah, we couldn't have done that. We couldn't have done this. Which is not it's not God rubbing it in, being like, yeah, I did it for you. He's like, I did it for you. Bro. Right. And it's you read this, it's so fascinating reading through it. And I really tried to put myself in the, in the shoes of the people receiving this. They're trying... Isaiah's trying to put words to what he's seeing, but he doesn't have the full light of New Testament revelation yet. So what he's saying is true and nothing is contradictory and nothing is false. But he's, he's articulating it without the fullness of New Testament revelation. And so you can see why someone would read the Old... You know, people always ask me, like, when I do classes on the Old Testament, how do people not see this, right? I mean, right. it's so crystal clear. But imagine you don't have the light of the New Testament to look back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty And you're like, okay, so there's this God who's going to become king and he's going to fight everybody and he's going to kill everybody and destroy the enemies and be bloodied and victorious... But then there's this Jesus who dies on a cross and is humiliated and everybody hates and he's killed. Like, yeah, no, it's the same thing. But it's hard to look back. I mean, that's the thing about the Old Testament. There's all these prophecies that say he's going to be a mighty warrior. He's going to be a humble servant. He's going to defeat all of his enemies. He's going to be defeated by his enemies. He's going to kill everybody. He's going to be bloodied. He's going to be killed himself. You're like, which one is it? Right. And it's only through hindsight that you can be like, oh that does make sense well and that's where we get into the, the first part of 64 yes. it says no eye has ever
1: heard no eye ever seen any oh you're jumping to 64 you. yeah working such deeds for those who wait for him would that you might meet us doing right that we may be mindful of you in our ways mm. like like that that's the that's the i think that that to me is the kind of crux of this whole reading here mm. is that as we're going along yes absolutely you're going to do these things but would I actually be found attentive, trying to pay attention for
0: them? Probably not. Well, and that's the that's the hard is, part about our whole lives. But that's what's built into this, and right. God's like, that's why I did it. Yeah. Right. Because you're probably not going to be found attentive.
1: Yeah. That's why their prayer in the midst of this is like, would we actually like? Ah, I want
0: to be awake. But it's also this, um, it's funny because, you know, 63 is all about God vindicating and doing these things and being in battle and all this stuff. And then we kind of segue in the section that we get and it becomes, okay, Lord, you're our father. You're our redeemer. Your name is forever. So why do you let us wonder? Where are you? Like we get this. We know who you are. We know what you're going to do. We get the promises. So where are you? Because we're living in darkness right now. They've trampled down your city. Your temple has been wiped out. Your presence is not... Doesn't seem to be with us anymore. Right. So we get that you're a king. We get that you're a warrior. How come we don't get to experience any of that? Mm-hmm. And it's this paradox of living, knowing, knowing who God and you know this is in all of our lives, right? We know who God is. We right. know what we profess every every Sunday or every day when we go to mass. We know what we're supposed to believe. Right. But then, what do we experience in our everyday lives? Where where are you then? If you are our Savior, if you've trampled down death, if you've defeated sin, then how come I feel so sinful? How come I feel so beat up and and uh, Abandoned sometimes if you say that you're there, just floating, floating, and up, floating me
1: out in my little boat. You know, my little boat, hanging out on the island, saying where, you? <laughs> like, where are
0: you? And that, that 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 waiting is actually is really, really hard. But that's why reading like this is actually really comforting to me because it shows how human the scriptures are, right? And it they speak to the human experience. Well, I'm like, I, I get you guys. I mean, it, it's easy to read something like Isaiah and be like, yeah, those guys stunk. Israel was horrible. I'm glad I'm not like them, which is what the Pharisees all said, right? Yeah. Thank God I'm not like those people. Yeah. But that's to miss the whole point of Scripture. It's to be like, yeah. oh, God, I'm like those people. Yes. Which leads us into the song, actually. It does lead us into the song.
1: Shepherd, O oh Israel, Israel mm. lend an ear, you what? who guide Joseph like a flock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, yeah. you, you can read the Psalms
0: in a way that is really really upsetting. You mean <laughs> <laughs> audibly read the Psalms? Audibly read Like them. actually read them. Oh, yeah. shepherd of Israel. They have to uh, see all of my different translations of the Bible I'm shuffling through. <laughs>
1: yeah, I have the same thing, but mine are digital, so you don't have to worry digitized. about it. Digitized. Digitized.
0: Don't, we don't realize from what we hey, get... Hey, look, watching from Berlin. No. Yeah, dude. That's cool. They, they might have won the, won the prize so far. Yeah. The furthest away. What are you pointing to? Is it Brie watching? Thanks to
1: Kate S. Oh, Give it, it's, Kate is actually here, right? You, you, you can you're there. not in Berlin. You're
0: here in Droh. No, no, she she recommended it to a Berliner. Ah, okay. see, this is complicated. The internet's hard. This is why we don't do live podcasts very much. All right, Psalm eighty. Um, we don't really get from the section that will appear in the liturgy how difficult Psalm eighty actually is, and it talks about. Um, you know, you made us drink the tears of our sorrow, and things are hard. And it reflects very much the first reading of this. Okay, we, we get it, God, but right now it's really hard. So the prayer of the psalm is, Lord, make us turn to you. Help us see your face, and we shall be saved. Because we're not saved, or, or at least we don't experience, feel like we're saved right now. Make us turn to you. I think some translations say, let us turn to you. Either way, it's sort of passive. It's saying, God, you need to help us. I'm having a really hard time turning to you. I want to get it. It's, um, uh, was it uh, Augustine? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm. Is that Augustine? Yeah. That's, the, that's the, the thrust here. Oh, shepherd of Israel, hearken from your throne upon the cherubim, shine forth. Rouse in your power, come and save us. This isn't just merely a reflection on how great God is. It's saying, God, if you aren't that great, and we believe that you are, then it relies on you to help us out. We need a hand. And Mm. that's, again, the reflection of the first reading.
1: Yeah. Hey, somebody's watching from New Zealand, by the way. Carrie Floyd! Carrie's not in New Zealand. That was not Carrie Floyd? No, but she told us that somebody's watching. (laughs) That's why you didn't say the name. No, so be it. What are you going to do? From Arkansas, from Aden, New York. Which, by the way, I want to take a brief moment as we go in between the psalm and the second reading. (laughs) Uh, to ask you to support St. Thomas Aquinas and the beautiful mission we're doing here. You can support us directly on the Facebook page. You can go to thomascenter.org and click on the link support the mission. Uh, We're trying to raise $24,000 in 24 hours and we would love it if you would be able to be support uh, for this ministry which reaches um, thousands upon thousands of people as well as um, maybe your parish priest. So we want you to recommend us to your parish priest um, and he will be thankful forever to you because uh, we're uh, very helpful for homiletics. Unless you're jerks about it,
0: and you're and like, then you're Father, like, you should really listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's Trust the. Me. Yeah, don't do it. That how you approach it <laughs> matters. Wouldn't it be cool if we could make twenty four thousand dollars in the next twenty four minutes?
1: Now we're talking twenty four thousand dollars in twenty four minutes. Okay, I don't think we can do it. Well, maybe I don't know. Thank you, guys. Just put the link right there on the on the page. We are
0: at four thousand one hundred and eighty dollars. Woohoo! Thank you all, and and seriously, from the bottom, I, we joke about everything, but <laughs> thank you for your support. And even if it, you know, if you're not in a position you can get financially, please just pray for us. Pray for the ministry here. Pray for the students. Uh, the University of Colorado is not an easy place to be a Catholic, and so pray for the students here because they're 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 doing the hard work and they're doing the heavy lifting. They need you. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program
1: da, 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 da. I, I, you know I have absolutely nothing to say about the psalm by the way do you mean first Corinthians? Well, no, we just left the psalm an you just, hour you just said time. a bunch of
0: things about it didn't you No you didn't that was you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, fair enough okay, do you have anything to say about the second reading um, well i <clears throat>
1: it's funny because you look at you look at first corinthians this is the basically the beginning of first Corinthians. yeah and corinth has has this um it's a mess corinth is a mess and they're Okay, so I normally read this in one particular way. So okay. he starts up and he says, uh, Kyrie is Shalom. He says, uh, Grace and Peace. So he gives he gives kind of a uni- universal greeting. He's both greeting the Greeks and the Jews within the community, which is an indicator saying that there's some stuff happening already in the kind of
0: diversity of the mm. community. Because Kyrie is a, is a traditionally Greek greeting. Right. Shalom, Peace is the Hebrew greeting. So right, so Kyrie is Shalom in, from
1: yeah. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, okay... He's starting to butter him up, and so normally, he needs to, based on what he's about to do. Yeah, he's because Corinthians is about to get like just totally wild. So what happens is that it's, it's already pretty wild. It's already pretty wild. But he says that um, he's saying, "I give thanks because you guys are awesome." Now, normally I he read doesn't this. quite say that. No, he says, "I give thanks to my God on account for the grace of God bestowed in you in Christ Jesus." He's like, "Okay, so I'm giving thanks for the grace, not for <clears throat> you." For then the in him, you ah. were enriched in every way. This is oh, what I mean. Okay, fair enough. Enriched yeah, you're right, in every way. Yes, you're all right. discourse and all knowledge. And normally I read it in a That's very funny. snarky way. I, I do too. But, but you're probably
0: going to soften me now.
1: Yeah, well, I have to. Because, like, as it's the added. testimony to Christ was confirmed among you. Like, dude, this is a saint. And now this is the thing is that he says truthful things. Because I think that he really believes that, that, that these folks think about it. The mm-hmm. Corinthians have this experience of um all of these philosophers coming through town. Basically, they had an amazing well, speaker series. They're constantly. right up the
0: road from Athens. Right. So and they're the next-door neighbors of, like, the the thinkers of the known world. Absolutely. So what they're doing is they're, you know, they have great Aquinas Institute for Catholic
1: Thought speaker series. They you know, every, every month. And, like, these great philosophers are figuring out, like, trying to figure out how do I make a living? And so they're on the speaker circuits. And so what happens... Dude, yes. come on.
0: Human nature is human nature, bro. No, but, I mean, what needs to be said is that they're... They really want to be that, but they're always second fiddle. Right. Because Athens is up the road. Athens is, exactly. They're like, we're cool too, we have speakers too, we have philosophers. They're
1: like, eh. Well, this is the thing, is that I think that it it comes in in two hands. The first hand is that, you know what, they've been massively educated by some of the smartest people that exist. Absolutely. Probably so. And on the other hand, they're really puffed up by it. Yeah. And so, the thing. So what happens is that they, they have the material for the preparation for the encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay. And they have the preparation for an actual deep engagement with the Lord. Okay. But rather than allowing it to be fodder for the transformation of Christ, the, uh, transformation in Christ, Yes. they've allowed it to be fodder for them to become puffed up. Absolutely. And so, That's it. So at the same time that Paul is saying, I really give thanks to you because you know what? You have all of this stuff going on. Yes. But then... <laughs> uh, then you have um he he started playing the live stream on, on, on <laughs> his computer I right was getting confused because I was hearing myself yeah I um, yeah so so at the same time they they actually have a tremendous seed bed but they need to be transformed in it and so like so that's what's really Absolutely. that's what's really beautiful so like he says you're not lacking any spiritual gift he's actually really thankful he's just saying that all of these gifts, all this knowledge, all this stuff is getting it's getting twisted up, and we need to untwist it through this book. And rather than just a snarky reading and saying like, "Hey, I need to I need to like puff you up and acknowledge your puffed upness," so that then you can, so then
0: I can slam you. So that right, and that's what I was <laughs> thinking.
1: I think because I know where this is going. I think that he's authentic in it. Okay. I think that he actually <laughs> believes that he has these things,
0: but that, that they have these things, but that they're doing it in a messed up way. Because he is a saint. But I, I, in a certain sense, I mean, everything you're saying, there's a sort of reflection of himself there. I mean, you know, later on in his more autobiographical moments when Paul talks about himself and all the things that he gave up, he'll be like, I had everything. I was the teacher of all teachers. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin, the only people who didn't abandon the temple, you know, when, the, when, when push came to shove. I was the best of the best. He is acknowledging his own... I wonder if the Corinthians sort of make a certain amount of sense to him because you get the sense, and I don't want to put words in Paul's mouth, but you get the sense that Paul's the kind of person who understands what it means to be puffed up and maybe has good reason to be puffed up. Yeah. And so he looks at them and he's like, that's, with the, you know, it's one of those things I, as someone who's serious about their faith, we should be able, how do I say this in the right way? I want to see this priest. Um, who uh, he was dealing with this person who was in prison who had done awful things. And I remember him pointing out his acknowledgement that had his life gone slightly differently, he could have been in the exact same position that that person was in. But there's an acknowledgement of, you know, it's the opposite of the Pharisees. where like, thank God I'm better than you guys. But no, thank God because I could very easily be like that. I see the path in my life and the ways that the grace has shifted me and transformed me because I could have easily gone down that road. And what's there's a line that Scott Hahn said once when I was an undergraduate: if there's any sin in the Bible that you can't see yourself committing, it just means you haven't fully understood it yet. Mm. And that you know we need to recognize, like, yeah, I see how pervasive sin is and how weak I am, which means how much I need a savior. And I wonder if that's going on with Paul here because Yeah. yeah, yeah. you're right. I always read it in a cynical way, but maybe Paul is softer than I think, and maybe it's partially because he sees himself in them. Ah, uh, dude, when um, when you listen to
1: Scott Hahn, because he's a biblical scholar with the name Scott, do you like just take it more seriously? Like, yeah, like I will listen to any Scott that talks about the scriptures, dude. Yeah, no, that's me getting puffed
0: up. <laughs>
1: no. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. Oh, mark. 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 Okay. So I have I have this one, is cool. I have one insight in this whole thing, right. but I don't know what it means and I want to look at it as we go. That's my favorite. Because right? there's a pattern here. Okay, I will. Um so the pattern is is that if you if you read this uh, be watchful,
0: be alert. Can we, can we read it really quick? Yeah. It's very short, just to give them all. Okay. Jesus says to his disciples, Be so, watchful, be Can alert. I just give a quick context? And yeah. I won't take away your thunder. I thought you said we were going to read it. We are, we are. But you need to know where this is showing up. This okay. is the very end, I mentioned this at the beginning, it's the very end of what's called the eschatological discourse, which is Jesus' long speech on basically the end times. And if you recall the context, he, this, is, this is the end of the Gospels. It's just before his Passion. He's just, he spent um, a good deal of time in the temple being called out by the Pharisees. Remember going back and forth, all these challenges, people are testing him, they're prodding him. And basically at the end of all of this, he gives those woes in Matthew and says, you know what, this is over. He pronounces a curse on the temple. He says, there will not be one stone left upon another that won't be ripped down of this place. And then he goes off, his disciples say, when is this going to happen? What are going to be the signs? And he goes into this long discourse and saying, the moon is going to turn dark, the stars will fall from the sky, there'll be earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars. He's talking about the signs that will accompany the end of God's temple, right? Which yep. sounds very end of the world e. Right. And at the very end of all of it, he says this. This is his last word in this note. Be watchful, be alert.
1: You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad. He leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to
0: all. Watch. What word do you see repeated more than any other? Word? Five times. You <laughs> see watch five, nine nine times. times.
1: So what's interesting is that he, he repeats it five times. Now the first two are, are 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 interesting. You have blepete, which means to like literally watch with your eyes. Okay? So hold on, let's see. Let's get to the, I'm going to get to my resources here. Pete
0: Ped- pedometry? No. Blepe. Blepo, blepo, blepo. The verb blepo, conjugated. Yeah,
1: yeah, which means to see. see. Okay. Then you have, um, uh, then you have the word. um, Hold on, on.
0: I didn't realize that there were different words for watch, or different Greek words. Kasetzo. (laughs) Kasetzo. I had to see. They're seeing all of our little sneaky
1: tricks. Yeah, I know. This is it. Okay. And then, which, which is interesting, because as, as, at its root. It's actually talking about how. Hold on, let me get to the roots. Okay, um, get to the roots. To sleep. So it's literally oh. just sleep. Cassezio.
0: Wait, what? Why so, is it translated as watch?
1: Um, oh, because it's it's conjugated. Oh no, hold on. Let me make sure that I have the right one. Oh no, that's right. Okay, okay. Here we go. Um, the the root of this is to catching or catch. Really? Yeah, to, um, and and oh. and but then you can you can use it in its opposite form as well. Okay. So you can to not catch, which is to be s- in, unaware, in s- unaware, caught off guard, caught kind off guard. Of thing. So um, so it's to catch, and then the third one uh, is um, Grego Gregale okay. which its root is to be on the alert, to be fully awake, to be like awake, awake, awake.
0: Okay. Awake, awake, awake. Yeah.
1: So, so, so okay. it's interesting. So it's it's so looking. It's four different things. It's catching and it's be awake. Looking, catching,
0: and being awake. Yeah, yeah. And okay.
1: Like, so I don't know. I don't know what they, those actually mean. But the last one is used three times. and The other ones are just used once. And it's five times in this particular passage.
0: Okay. Well, let's look at this. So let's go through. Let's go through a little bit more because I see a couple of really cool things here. Okay. Okay. What is Jesus? Okay, so he's saying, okay, be alert. You don't know when the time will come. Remember the context we just talked about. What do they not know the time of? The destruction of the temple. Yeah, okay. The temple's going to be destroyed. Not one stone left upon another. Everything's going to go crazy. Wars and rumors of wars. You don't know the time. So stay awake, be watchful, look, be ready to catch it, right? I like all this. Um, what are we talking about again? What are they to be watchful of? No, this is important. Oh, I was like the gospel, Mark. No, no, no. What are they watching for? <laughs> um, they're watching for the temple to be destroyed. Okay. What are they watching for? The temple to be destroyed. Sorry, I'm, I'm belaboring this for a reason, because it gets confusing. Okay. Okay, the temple's going to be destroyed. Then he gives a parable. he says, okay, it's like this. There's four, It's like a master, and he's given a bunch of these, especially over the last few weeks. We've seen a lot of these, right, yeah. in our readings. He says, it's like this. It's like a master who's returning home, and his servants have been left in charge. He says, there's four potential times... That you might catch, right? Be watchful and see the master returning. What are they? Evening, midnight, cock, crow, morning. Do those ring a bell to you in any way? Dude, that's the those are the hours of the passion. He's overlaying this parable on the passion narrative, right? So right. in the what happens in the evening? Uh, last Supper. The Last Supper's in the evening. At midnight, where are they? Passion in the, the Gethsemane. The Garden of the Gethsemane, right? The Agne in the Garden. Yep. Um, Cockcrow? Outside of the high priest's house at the charcoal fire. Yeah, we know because Peter denies him three times. Yep. And then in the morning... Pontius Pilate? Uh, it actually says they send him... Um, they, it, it's uh, chapter, chapter 15. It says in the morning they let him off to... I can't remember. It's when he basically goes toward his death. They, yeah. he, he starts leaving. out. He,
1: I think he gets pulled out of the pit at the high priest's house, because remember, he
0: was, he was uh, imprisoned. He as was soon in, as it was morning, the chief priests and the elder scribes and the whole council had a consultation, right. and they had Jesus bound and led away and delivered to Pilate in the morning. So these are the moments of the Passion. Now, I'll ask you again. What is he talking about again? What are they to be watchful for? Destruction of the temple. But he just overlaid all these times onto the Passion. So what are they to be watching for?
1: The destruction of the temple.
0: What's the temple?
1: Jesus'
0: body, oh, of course. Well, there's two. I mean, this is what's fascinating. It's a both and. Because the physical stone brick and mortar temple will be destroyed. Right. Of which they should be watchful for because there will be wars and rumors of wars and chaos and the Romans will do crazy things. That is going to happen, but there's another level to it because Jesus is also the temple. So they are to be watchful not just for the destruction of that temple, but the destruction of the temple of Jesus' body. And Mark does this really interesting job of describing the destruction of both temples very similarly. There's actually, we don't have time to go into it. I wish we did, though. There's that story in the very next chapter, chapter 14. There's the story of the woman who pours the oil all over Jesus. Remember this? Yeah. She, she puts the costly um, ointment oil all over Jesus' head, which, you know, represents this great sum of money. She's given all of herself to him. She's poured herself out in this temple. Um, Right before the eschatological discourse, I think it's in chapter 12, remember there's the story of the widow's mite, where yeah. they're outside of the temple and this widow puts in two copper coins. Yep. Um, and Jesus says she gave her whole self. She gave, it literally says her bios, her whole being. So there's these two stories that Mark gives you of two women giving their whole selves to two different temples that are both about to be destroyed. The catch is that only one of them is going to come back. Two temples will be destroyed. One will be resurrected. And this is the moment I think you get the imagery of the first reading. The victorious king who's been bloodied in battle and is standing victorious. Because that temple is going to be knocked down and is going to be brutal. And you should watch for the moment that that's going to happen. Um,
1: and there's going to be not, not two stones left on one on top of each other. Absolutely. Basically, we're talking about real full death. Which is no. interesting because we're looking at this in at the beginning of Advent. And so... Advent, advenio, it's, it's coming. It's about saying, how
0: is the Lord coming? So that's, you know, And that's the catch here, because that's what it says in the parable. Right. What are we watching for? The Lord's coming. But wait, I thought it was the destruction of the temple. Right. Uh-huh.
1: And so, so, which is interesting, because what we're going to be, yeah, I, it's like this meditation of, of something ineffable and hard to grasp. You're, it's, you're ineffable. Yeah. Can you define ineffable for me? <laughs> Very difficult to be said, in fact, and that's what ineffable
0: means. So that was the definition of ineffable, was, was in fact the, ineffable. Yeah, you did a prophetic gesture of the word ineffable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's Jesus. weird it hearing people laughing. I know. it's <laughs> 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 oh, just now you
1: now. and I responding to each other. I love it. So, if that, it's, it's this... It's this. In, yeah, I don't laugh at your <laughs> jokes normally. <laughs> Thanks, so. man. The, it's, it's this ineffable expression of saying... What was I saying? The coming. The advent oh, yeah, it, means... They, ad- it, uh, means it, it, it's it's Jesus' coming in a, in a special, profound way. It both... It, like. Because we look forward to Jesus coming as a little child, but then also coming the the, the coming of Jesus Christ in the temple, rising again and going back to the Father, yes. but then also the full consummation of being all at once. So they're like, the say mist, that one more time. That was full, profound. The full consummation of being all at once. What? So we're saying the first coming of Jesus, yes, the coming of Jesus in his resurrection and ascension to the Father, and then the second coming when Jesus Christ makes all and all. And it, everything, all, knee, and all knees bow, every tongue confesses the name of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's like
0: these three moments all in the simultaneous moment. I think we're missing one. Four obviously throws the <laughs> schema off. But I think there's another coming because I, I don't think we can ignore the fact that that's how Jesus defines what they're to be watching for. And it's not the only place that the Gospels do that. He says, you don't know when the Lord is coming. The Master is coming. All of these things are coming. And then they're always described in terms of the Passion. So the Gospels, for some reason, describe the Passion as his coming. There's a euphemism. I don't know if it's a euphemism, but sort of an idiom. Is a euphemism always negative? I don't know. There's an idiom in um, sort of Hebrew thought. Don't call me that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's an idiomatic way of talking about the coronation. A king's coming... Because remember in Matthew, when Jesus Jerusalem, says. like what we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Of weeks ago. So what Jesus is saying is his destruction, his elevation onto the cross, is his parousia. That is his. Com- I mean, there's lots of. Light. It's not the only one, the Advent, the, the coming again. But there is a very real moment that his elevation to the cross is his coronation par excellence. Mm. Maybe not par excellence, because then he rises again and he's crowned, seated at the right hand of the Father. But this is, but maybe it is par excellence because well, he's crowned with thorns. He's elevated in ironic glory, right? He's the bloodied king who is, as Galatians or Second Corinthians, I forget, Colossians, says he is parading his enemy on the cross. It's not Jesus who's shamed and hanging on the cross. It's death itself that's being paraded on the cross and mocked because Jesus is going to, three days later, be like, uh-huh. what do you got now? So, but that is the coming in a, in a very real sense. Absolutely. So that's like... nobody's expecting that. That's why he's got to keep saying watch. Because they're not going to be ready for that. No, we're
1: not ready. And that's actually why we actually have a season of preparation to where we say, oh, how do we get ready? Now, culturally, that can be weirdly problematic. And I've had this as, you know, once you start start taking the mystery of Christ seriously, Mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult culturally because what happens is we celebrate the coming already. Uh, for yes. from, from Thanksgiving until Christmas, basically the Lord has come, and we're watching all our Christmas movies, oh. and everybody uh, there's elf hats everywhere, and like you know, and, uh, sugar plums. Nobody sells sugar Dancing. plums anymore. But they it's they
0: like, dance, though. they
1: dance, and so it's this thing of this anticipation, which is interesting because maybe it does make sense. Maybe it does make sense in the midst of it. It's like that it yeah. it's already here, but then we're watch for watchful. watchful. How the mystery actually takes place, and so it's like this preparation. But could can we find ourselves, you know, doing good deeds because no eye has seen, no ear has heard what's actually going to be taking place? We have we have the full seed bed, like the Corinthians. We have the full the full mystery, but are we paying attention to what the mystery is, so that we can be watchful
0: for its Manif- true full manifestation. It's ironic that you ask it that way. And I, not to be overly negative, and we've got to kind of wrap it up, and I don't want to end on a negative note, and I don't want this to sound overly Protestant. And I don't mean that in a derogatory <laughs> way. I, I don't. I don't mean that meanly. Um, because I, what I'm tempted to, to go toward, and all these readings lend themselves toward, sort of this idea that there, we can do nothing. And outside of God, we can do nothing. Right. Now, obviously, faith versus works, we, we have to respond, of course, that we do have a role in this. But here's the irony of this, and I don't know if it's ironic or not. Who is he telling these wo- in the gospel as he keeps repeating over and over, watch, stay awake, right, was one of them, right? Yep. Who is he telling this to? Um, his disciples? Yeah, it's the, he's speaking to the apostles. In, I don't know, where are we in the time frame? They're about to have the Last Supper, right? Right, right after the Last Supper, what's going to happen? He's going to be taken. No, no,
1: passion. I mean, he's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what of the
0: disciples who are
1: hearing this repeated five times? Yeah, because three times he totally, Peter bonks, could you not wait
0: with me one hour? Can you not do this one hour? What were they not doing? Watching. Staying awake, watching. Here's here's the point of this. So it's not just, oh, look at how boneheaded the apostles are. It's the idea, in the Garden of Gethsemane, who is the only one faithful to Jesus' command to watch? Uh, John. No. Mary. No. What is the first reading, remember, all about? You guys couldn't do it, so I did it myself. So I did it myself. So I the only one watchful? He is. Which is, this is the Hebrew tradition. This is what kings do. They take on the burden of their people. Mm -hmm. What does Jesus do? He's saying, I know you're not going to be able to stay awake. I get this. I'm going to stay awake. I want you to stay awake. Please get up. Please be with me. Please try. But if you fail, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to stand on your Mm. behalf. And that's the point of his kingly elevation. I want you to accompany me. But if you can't and if you fall down flat, I will still do it on your behalf. I will be the
1: watchman on my high watchtower on the cross. Okay looking down yeah. well you guys uh thank you for joining us for this beautiful wonderful podcast wonderful, in, the, beautiful. in the heart of our ministry on the hill in boulder at saint drogo's coffee house bar yes. thing I don't, how, I don't know how we say it. we say drogo's, yeah. i think it's coffee bar it's house coffee bar, bar. <laughs> thing and uh and like i love it people are getting our jokes they're even like you guys are tweeted in or they're just being like, polite yeah. absolutely <laughs> either way we'll take it um, y'all, thank you for um, for your donations. We uh, Just during the podcast, we got up to $4,640 of dorna- dor- donations. <laughs> thank you for your generosity. Um, I, w- I just encourage you, please bring- keep bringing them in. Uh, it's only through your generosity that we're able to meet the needs of this university and of the wider universal church. Uh, I mean, literally all of your $5 donations make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, it's daunting to think, oh, they want to raise $24,000. Please, give what you can get. We have, what, 16,000 listeners out there? Yeah. If everybody gave... Five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks. I can't do math because I'm a theologian, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> is, the, is the bottom line? So, so don't think that you're. It's the widow's might, right? We just talked Absolutely. about the two pence. She. It's the giving of oneself. Whatever that looks like,
1: and, and I'll tell you, where your money, there your heart is. Mm. And if you want to stay, we want your heart to be here. Yeah, and if you want to stay watchful, I mean, literally, invest in yourself. Right. Invest in invest yourself in this. And uh, and I'll tell you that, <laughs> that, like, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference for the Universal Church. It makes a huge difference in our ministry. It makes a huge difference for Scott, who I can keep employing. And like, it's just. <laughs> thank you yeah you're welcome i don't want to fire him you guys don't want me three kids i mean (laughs) mortgage. (laughs) so if there's any way to remember how you're gonna um do advent in a different way this year it's by remaining watchful so Mm -hmm. how are you going to be able to do that five times over you know we have three weeks you remain watchful five times um, and, uh, and I will tell you, it, it, it will oh, make a big difference.
0: Five weeks of Advent. Five times. Did you say that already? No. That's really... Is there five weeks of Advent normally? Aren't there? No, four. four. This well, year,
1: it's, it's, there's four and it's, it's, like it's a day. Of, and the void. And the void, like yeah, we were talking about. yeah. Th- this year we only have three weeks. That's right. We have three weeks. Well, I mean, there is a fourth Sunday. There's a fourth Sunday. But that night,
0: it becomes Christmas. But that night, it becomes Christmas. That's weird.
1: um, Hey, there are 68, 75 of you guys left. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't fake the funk. Keep it real. We love you. Um, Click on thomascenter.org. Go to uh, support the mission, or you can click on the link just right there. And um, and happy Advent. Happy Advent. And we love you. God bless you. Bye. And look at all the little little bubbles up there. So many bubbles. So this hard to get
0: there. Okay. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.